2: Hello and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Fred, your host, podcast producer and sports writer for LSJ, joined by free beat writer Chris Solari and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch. Gentlemen, we have convened here for the second time in less than a week after going more than a month without a podcast. Uh, Can you guys confirm to me that you have not entered the transfer portal at this point? I'm hearing some rumors out there.
1: I would love to see what it's like inside there, um, just to like look around and uh, you know see what happens when you're in the portal. See if it's like a big party, you know, or whatever. But uh, I, I not,
0: kind of I envision it as as kind of the the luxury lounge in the airport. Oh, I yeah. mean the, the members lounge because I mean you're you're basically in the portal between one plane and another, so it makes a lot of sense. I'm sure they have good
1: cocktails and some some workstations. The Delta Skyline, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I like it.
2: And now that I've mentioned, I have mentioned, there's nothing I want more in the world than the journalism transfer portal.
1: They, they all end up at the Athletic. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would be so funny because we'd all jump in and realize that nobody wanted us, and then uh, so we'd have, all to, have to go back to our former employer.
2: We'd have to pull Connor Hayward and go back, go back to our original school.
1: Yeah, pull what a lot of kids are going to do, or or, yeah. or drop down, you know, and cover preps at a weekly somewhere.
2: Well, at least they have the option to go back. I guess is uh, is one way to <laughs> is one to, way to look at both in the NCAA football transfer portal and the and our fake journalism transfer portal. Well, obviously we are talking about the transfer portal here because uh, we have seen uh, some crazy things happen with the Michigan State football program since the spring game on Saturday. We have seen at least eight players because I gotta give myself a room here in case I forget somebody. We have seen at least eight players enter the transfer portal for Michigan State, and those are uh, redshirt freshman tight end Tommy Guajardo, redshirt sophomore offensive lineman Damon Kaler, redshirt senior defensive tackle Diary Todd, redshirt freshman defensive tackle Chris Mayfield, redshirt freshman defensive end Josiah Robinson, redshirt freshman long snapper Bryce Eimer, uh, offensive lineman Justin Stevens, and kicker Jack Olson. Now, none of those guys have really played a lot, if at all, so I don't know how fans are necessarily reacting to that.
1: The theme, Phil, is this, that they're all the final D'Antonio recruiting class, pretty much. Not all of them, but largely. You're seeing, I mean, these are not Mel Tucker guys. They're the last group that came in under D'Antonio, and um, and and they didn't get an initial spring with Mel Tucker. So the season was sort of, you know, you're seeing a group that got it their first taste of what it was going to be like last late last fall and now this spring and then now they're making a decision. So,
0: yeah. And it, I mean, quite honestly, this, I mean, you got to take this as a two year deal. I mean, cause a half, a half of this probably would have happened last spring after the, a, a, when we're talking about the, the 25 or 26 guys who have gone into the portal. I mean, half of them would have gone in after last spring and their first chance to practice and get to know Tucker. Um, half of them would have done this, Anyways, this year, it would have looked a little more like a normal two offseason cycle. But because there wasn't a spring last year, that wasn't necessarily a, an option. And, you know, there's so many things that I mean, listen, these guys have an opportunity to to go and play immediately now elsewhere. And they're young and they've got an extra year of eligibility since it didn't count against them this year. So. You know, some of it is understandable. Some of it's understandable from Tucker's end because he didn't know anything about these guys going into the off season or going into the season last year until he finally got on the field with them. And in a lot of ways, it was the the, the season was actually kind of like a spring with actual games. Um, and, and then this offseason, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising with the timing for everything. One, because you know, after spring practices, when there is this kind of attrition because guys know what they're pecking, where they're at in the pecking order. They understand their, their future in the program. Conversations have been held with coaches. Um, so they, they have a better idea and, and plus it's the end of the semester. So if they want to land at a new spot, now's the time to do it quickly so they can get enrolled and eligible at, at wherever they land. So, I uh, you know, frankly, and Graham, we've, we've talked about this for, for months and years now. um, the portal is is kind of the thing now, especially when coupled with that immediate eligibility.
1: What what will be interesting is when you know we get. Re- so this is a hard year to judge, especially at MSU. It's a hard ju- year to judge everywhere because all these kids have just gone through this COVID pandemic year, in which I don't think a lot was all that fun for a lot <laughs> of them, right? So there there might be a lot of kids that are like I just want a different experience. This is the way I the way I view that this. this wasn't a regular campus experience. I didn't love. The football element, there's no fan. Like, I just want something fresh. This was a, a rough year in a lot of ways. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But in Michigan State, the flip side of that is um, it's a year with a new coach in a pandemic year. So I think it's double that. What, what I'm very curious about is a year from now, does the portal – and to this point, we've seen transfers only increase. Does it become more and more or do it does it plateau? And uh, does the fact that a, a normal year is a better experience for most kids just at their school, frankly – And then it will be more, from this point forward, it will be largely more Mel Tucker recruited guys. Like how much less does the portal become? I still think you're going to see a lot of guys after, with the one-time transfer post-spring football will be, you know, it will be a week that guys are on the move. But I am curious to see to what degree, you know, and and how much it changes uh, as we get away from this sort of, Two dynamics in one year.
0: Yeah, and that's that's something Mel Tucker even said is that you know looking moving forward he envisions it still being traditional recruiting from the high school ranks. But remember, these guys haven't even gotten into the hallways in, in these schools. I mean, that's that's a big part of it too. I mean, you've got a bunch of new coaches that are essentially meeting with with their their high school peers virtually just like they are with their prospects. I mean, you know, that, that establishment of relationships is, is something that needs to be built. And, and plus, you know, the, the Tucker talked all off season about a roster reset. So nothing should come as a surprise. The, the volume. I mean, it's significant volume when you talk 85 scholarships or, you know, a hundred and 105 bodies or whatever it is, um, on a roster and, and you lose 25, 26 of them and change them up. Um, so, you know, but that's that's kind of the way of of college sports right now. And it's, it's going to get bigger and, and more as time goes on.
1: It'll be interesting to see that, you know, because you, you can plug like you can plug holes and you can get you can rebuild, I think, faster now with the portal. Right. Um, but I don't think it's a way to sustain something as easily because, you know, let's let, let's look at just the, you know, you look at a well a couple things one a lot of kids are going to get left out in the cold this year all across college sports right all tons sports, of kids in the yeah, portal
0: not just not just football no, no, no. basketball all sports
1: and they're they're going to find out the grass isn't greener and so there will be at some point i think a market correction slightly where over the course of a few years kids start to realize boy this look how many kids don't wind up with something or are stuck with nothing or have to try to come back or um, you know it, it, it's not it and so that'll be one component that, that that I think is interesting the other thing is you know college sports is you're in a system you, you know there's some kids who are just more talented than other kids but you're learning and you're developing under a staff in a system and you know if you look at the quarterback situation which I'm sure we'll talk at more as we talk about the the spring uh, event scrimmage thingy-majiggy last week practice. but you, you get you get a guy who's got like several dozen starts to his name in Anthony Russo, who's yet less experienced than Peyton Thorne, who's been immersed in this system for a year and talked about the value of that and looks more comfortable in the system. And so the, it will become something where when you transfer, you give up that that knowledge. That, and in certain positions, that's gonna matter more than others. And it's also gonna be important for programs to develop their own more because that is what happens. If you've got, you know, just culturally and knowledge base, if you've got a, a defense with seven transfers on it in their first, you know, first eight months on your campus and an offense with six transfers, the, the idea that you would have any cohesion that was able to make you competitive is, is unlikely.
2: So here's a, a thing that I think might happen. I think we're going to see more of these borderline three-star guys not go to power five programs in the first place, or at least I don't think they should. Uh, Maybe we'll see the Mac get more of these guys now. You think about that, and then it's like the guys who do pan out, well, the second they have some success, a power five program is going to try to come right in and swoop them. So it's certainly a little bit of a double-edged sword in the guard. But I think there's going to be more guidance for some of these three-star guys to maybe not go to a power five school, despite the allure of a power five school, of course.
0: Well, the book's being written on what, what will work and what won't work. I mean, you know, you, you may see, you know, I, I kind of wrote about this today. I mean, you think about a guy like Montez sweat leaving MSU and, and going to another power five and having success. He obviously, it was a different circumstance with his transfer. You think about uh, Nick Foles transferring out and going to Arizona and having success um, and, and going to the NFL and, and then you think about a guy like Gus Ornstein who transferred from Notre Dame to Michigan state to Rowan college.
1: Took him college to and three championship game.
0: He did. And he was, he was what they call a camp body for a number of years. You know, a guy yeah. that, that would land in the giants camp or the dolphins camp or any number of camps, uh, during fall pr- for, you know, preseason practice or, or, you know, the conditioning and, you know, just to throw the ball around and basically figure out which receivers are good. And then, okay, we don't need a fourth or fifth quarterback in the NFL. So see ya. But you know, that's, I mean, guys are going to find their level, their their talent's going to find, they're not just the talent. I think it's the, where their mindset is too. I mean, some guys don't necessarily thrive in the kind of high pressure, um, business like environment that, that Tucker's presenting for them. Um, some guys, Thrive in, with less pressure. Some some guys need that pressure to, to elevate themselves. I mean, think about it. I mean, as it, as good as Alabama is, there are still guys coming from North Dakota State and going to play in the NFL, right? And there are guys from Alabama that maybe play a year or two or don't get to the NFL that don't have a pro career. That's just the nature of sports. I mean, it's you can't. You got eighty five scholarships. You can't get everybody.
1: The other thing that that I, I do wonder a little bit is. The, the impact on recruiting high school kids and you know because at a certain point there's going to be a trust factor and and don't you're not going to over recruit me before I get to campus with a transfer are you you know that sort of thing you that's going to be something where uh, it's one thing to get over recruited eventually and it and, and it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch how much more You know, fans care about, and I talked about this with recruiting and the transfer portal. Like, it'd be interesting because this is not, this is just not something the way people have thought. But take Tyson Walker, who's transferring from Northeastern. And in in five years, is the fan base going to spend most of its time looking around, like, hey, you see that mid major dude at Central putting up, sophomore putting up 28 points the other night and hitting six threes? Bet you he'd look good at green and white next year. You know, like, is that going to be the way? And then you got this other kid from Oak Park, and this is my favorite example, the East of kid. He limited his, his number to 17 finalists, including MSU. And um,
0: uh, That's a solid number. 17 is a solid number.
1: Yeah, and, and that kid, and for good reason. Nobody should give a, a rat's whatever about that kid because, A, he's too young to care about, B, it's 17, C, he may commit to you which isn't a commit, it's a lean, and if he does come to you, there's a 50-50 chance he transfers, so really don't pay attention to that kid. But at what point, like, I, I'm very fascinated to watch the recruiting dynamics and the fan dynamics of what's important to people and how we how we see this. I mean, I think right now everything's exaggerated because COVID and at Michigan State, there's so much movement going on right now. But it will be interesting to see five years from now what naturally sort of matriculates into our head about what's valued and what we pay attention to into the season.
0: And it's going to be interesting to see how coaches use it, too. I mean, the one thing, if you you look up and down the the number of guys that that Tucker's brought in, they've got a lot of eligibility left. I mean, he's got a couple grad transfers in Russo and Jordan, but the bulk of these guys have multiple years left, Um, you know, including – you know, a guy like Malik Carr who basically has all four years left or a Tavian Brown. They all they have all four years left. Um, so that, you know, which, again, it goes back to what you were saying. I mean, the, the big theme of this is a lot of that freshman class is gone now. The Mark Antonio's final recruiting class. So that makes sense. Now you're filling the, the holes numbers wise down the line in terms of how many guys you have per class. Uh, and that's a juggling act. That's going to be a juggling act for coaches. Um, and, and I think it's it, basically what, what this is tantamount to is between the scholarships, the eligibility and everything else. It's tantamount to the NFL's salary cap in a lot of ways. I mean, and that's, you've got, a, you know, Mel Tucker and Scott Aligo who have that NFL background who've, who've learned to juggle multiple balls at once based on all different parameters of contracts and everything else. So it it's, it's clearly different. Well, until name and image and likeness comes into play, and guys actually are making money, it's but it's different for for them under the rules to 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 juggle the roster spots like that. I mean, it's all it's basically their cap. That's what th- this is from not just the number of eighty five, but per class how much you want to invest in each to keep spots open for everybody.
2: Michigan State did add somebody in the Michigan State football did add somebody in the transfer portal today in. Uh, linebacker Quaveris Crouch, who was a four-star prospect himself uh, back in his high school days. So that's another four-star guy, another former four-star prospect that Mel Tucker has added to his program.
0: Yeah, same with Tavian Brown. That's two four-star, former four-star recruits he's brought in at linebacker, which was, you know, coming out of actually going into the spring, it was one of the thinnest. And coming out of the spring without Chase Klein Playing on and during the practice on Saturday, uh, they, it looked even more. I mean, if, if you could tell me, and, and this isn't fair because you guys know, um, but I guarantee most of the readers don't know that Sam Edwards is from Williamson and a walk-on, but he was getting significant
1: reps. Yeah, no, it, th- there are a couple of positions that are they're definitely lucky they've got transfers coming in. <laughs> <laughs> glaringly, yeah. glaringly yeah Sam glaringly. Edward
2: Sam Edwards is from Williams somebody played at Lansing Catholic so just that is true add, add, add that in there
1: no should we talk about the spring game a little bit
0: yeah yeah because well, I think it, I think it dovetails into that I mean you know you you had because we talk about we'll start with the quarterback spot you know we talk about you know how did who's got the edge between Anthony Russo coming in and Peyton Thorne having been there um they were thrown against the back seven that had a lot of those kind of walk-ons like Sam Edwards and Justin White and a lot of guys that if you weren't familiar, entirely familiar with every ounce and number on the roster, you'd be asking yourself, who are these guys? Um, this wasn't exactly playing against Joe Bocci or Antoine Simmons and and Shakur Brown there. Um, these, these were a lot of walk-ons. So, I I think you got to take a lot with a grain of salt, but, but Graham, I thought your assessment on just how the, the, the mental aspect looked. I mean, I thought Thorne looked very confident and it wasn't that Russo didn't look confident, but you could tell that he was a guy that was still kind of, not just feeling his way with the offense, but feeling his way with learning who his teammates are and, and their personalities.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's Thorne's got a big up advantage. And you know, I I think in some ways they're probably lucky that last game of the year got canceled if Thorne was gonna flash the way he did against Penn State. I don't know that a kid like Anthony Russo and Russo wasn't in a perfect situation at Temple, so he might have left and might have come there anyway, but if if Thorne looked like the dude one more week how easy is it to convince a transfer to come in there and battle? And maybe you get a kid with enough confidence. And Russo seems to be a confident kid, um, but it, 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 Thorn looks like the guy right now. And, and he, you, know, Russo to to pass him is going to have to obviously get a better sense of the offense. Um, but also, I mean, he just you know, there's a few things with his throws that are, you know, I, I, I he's not he's not like somebody you you just look at his passes and go boy, that is, that is special right there. You know what I mean? Like it's not, so I, like right now I just, if, if Thorne stays healthy and keeps progressing and, and again, we saw very little, you know, it, it, it's very controlled for the most part. Um, and, but, um, I, I just, based on what we've seen Thorne flash and, 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 you know, the other thing that's interesting is last year, Mel Tucker was clearly frustrated with the quarterback situation and, and, and I think he knew it didn't work with Rocky Lombardi in the mix coming into another year. They couldn't have Lombardi as a quarterback, but I don't think he knew Thorne was going to take off the way he did. And, um, but, and I also think they're, they're, they like what they're seeing from Noah Kim from all accounts. So like basically two of the three guys who are holdovers were guys they didn't bring in and in a position they were real worried about. I think they feel better about what, what I think Anthony Russo is, is right now is insurance. Because what what now you know your baseline for, you know, because you don't want to – first of all, you're going to need your offense to be good this year because the defense we don't know about. There's some playmakers that are promising um, on offense where you have a chance to maybe be a good offense, and you don't want the quarterback position to be what keeps you from being great. And you don't want an injury to Peyton Thorne to be that's it. Now the offense can't do anything. I think Russo is, is some real insurance that at least when you look at that position overall, they ought to be – they ought to be, you know – Good enough this year to uh, to let their their weapons take hold. Of course, if the offensive line can finally find itself,
2: I will say that uh, both both quarterbacks made some some decent passes that got some at least at the very least some social media follow. Uh, and and on the receiving end, I think Ian Stewart had a nice catch. Uh, and there was a pass where Russo hit. Uh, I think it was Jalen Reed. Was it Jalen Reed in stride for a forty-one yard? Jaden Reed, sorry for a forty-one yard touchdown pass. So. I think both quarterbacks seem to to show some positivity that people seem to like. Was that your takeaway as well or no?
0: Yeah, the the throw, the Stewart was from Noah Kim, which I think is an important development because that, you know, down the line, I mean, it looks like he's jumped Theo Day for the number three guy based on the number of reps he got because Mel Tucker doesn't have a depth chart. He has a rep chart and Kim was throwing the ball. I thought he looked pretty decent. I mean, he looks raw and he looks thin, but Um, He he showed some poison in the pocket and and a good, good touchdown field. Um, You know, and obviously Hamp Fay is uh, a true freshman, still kind of soaking it in Um, a little different when you're a grad transfer, who's got a lot of experience in changing offenses versus a true freshman who probably should have been preparing for prom. Um, So you saw why he was the number five guy getting those snaps. But I, I, I think that. Um, you know, Thorne had a couple, he had a deep shot to, to both Jaden Reed and, uh, Caden McDonald. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dump truck assault. Like I said, during the game, because you know, who are they playing against in that back seven? That's what you got to keep in mind. Um, you know, the pass rush, I thought, you know, and talking about the offensive line, there were times when the, when the defensive line, which I think in, especially in the interior is going to be the strength of this team. Um, they looked good, and they were getting penetration on a on an offensive line that had a, n- a number of guys out. Um, so it's so much that that you could see that, you know, they were getting you know f- flushed from the pocket, and or Russo would stick in the pocket and get tagged. Um, but they were making plays downfield and moving the ball. Um, it, it's an interesting format, it, it, but I could definitely Graham tell exactly why they went with that format rather than trying to do a scrimmage because could you imagine splitting that that team up with the secondary?
1: I mean the only other way to do it would be you can do and I I think I done on this once and I have I know I think I covered it once at Western where because of numbers you do a thing where offense is against the defense and you have a weird scoring system for the defense. Yeah. And so there's there's a you can do a game that way. Um, and in some ways that's good because you get more ones versus ones a little bit, but um, you know, this, this is, I mean, and, and Mel Tucker said most of the places he's been, he's done game. I think this was more circumstantial, right? You know, and, and I, I think,
0: well, I think it was a good thing from a recruiting standpoint too, because frankly, you haven't been able to bring high school prospects in to see what your practice is like. You can right. virtually show them these things, but having it on television and, you know, if they were able to come to the game themselves um, and, and watch it in person, uh, you, you get a better sense of of what a Mel Tucker practice and program is like. And, and I was impressed by that. I was very impressed by the, the speed at, at which they move between drills. How I, I love the fact that they started the practice with uh, a quick hurry up offense versus defense. It, I think they call it takeoff flight. And to me, that set the tone for the rest of the practice that everything's energy. We got to be moving. So so all of the things that we've heard um, since February 12th, 2020, when Mel Tucker got hired, you see that uh, by getting a glimpse at the practice that maybe the games are different. Games are different. You got slow warm ups. You go back to the locker room. You come back out. You go back to the locker room. You come back out. This was this was high energy. And I thought that. To me, that was every bit as important as what they were doing uh, in terms of showing what they do to, to
1: others. I didn't find it greatly entertaining, but I rarely am by spring games, and I understood why they did it, and I thought you got as much out of it as you need to. I thought it was a good way to get fans back into the stadium and get fans back into things watching um, the game and, and um, on TV. And I, 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 and I have no issue with it, and I think, they, you know, there are things that are we're promising. Kenneth Walker is a guy who looks as, looks like he puts his foot on the ground. He's a, a guy who can be a really good Big Ten back, and, and they're going to have, I think, a, a, should have a pretty good backfield there. And the quarterback situation, they you know, the, not only were both guys on display quite a bit, they made both available afterward, and and I like that. I, you know, there's no there's no hiding from what this is. It's a quarterback competition. You know, yeah. and then only one of them gets to play, and they're. At this point, they one's a redshirt sophomore, third-year college student. The other guy's a much older college student. These are grown men who are dealing in a big boy situation, you know. And so yeah. I, I thought that was all—all—all all, all good to see him. And, and there were things. You're right. The offense, the defensive line, the Jalen Hunts, the world. Those guys—they look really good, you know. But so many guys yeah. are missing up front on the other side <laughs> okay. of the ball. There's a big, big ellipsis. Don't know in exactly front of what head. we're looking at yet.
0: There's a big ellipsis in front of that. But when when you know guys right. like. When, when you've got two of your starting returning offensive linemen in our Curry and, uh, who was the other one that was, that was missing? Yeah. Duplain missing, uh, basically your left side. Um, yep. and then, you know, you you're, that affects your, your ones obviously, but it also affects your twos and it affects your threes as guys are shuffling up. Um, totally. so, you know, and they're going to have to learn how to play with the guy next to them anyways, but, um, you know, from a practice standpoint, you know, that's where you can see some of some of the things such like like uh, Jarrett Horst, who I thought looked physical at times, but maybe sometimes over physical and, you know, sometimes, you know, guys that were getting beat, um, you know, some of it was just the nature of uh, we know that, that those two guys Duplain and and uh, our curry had been practicing prior to this um, from the video clips that the team had sent out Um but, but, yeah, I mean, like for the running backs, for example, I mean, that's a competition there um, that's, you know, part and parcel because Harold Joyner is supposed to join the program uh, this summer, the the Auburn transfer. They've got – I thought Kenneth, Kenneth Walker looked good. He looked strong. He looked tough. He, I mean, he looks like a guy that can run through contact in short-yardage situations, which is something that, that the offense has direly missed for a couple years now. Um and, you know, I thought Elijah Collins looked a lot better. I, I thought, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the reveal that, that Collins had a week ago that, that he had COVID and it affected his weight, it affected his strength. Um, he looks like a lot closer to the 2019 version that we saw. Um, so that adds competition in that room. But, but again, you know, we're seeing drill work and we're seeing a little bit of live scrimmaging with, with backups on the offensive line. You know when they get to camp, when everybody's healthy, when you when you start to see them going against that that first team defense, that's probably going to include at least two, maybe three, maybe four transfers in there that that elevate uh, the talent pool. Um, you're going to get a better gauge, I think, and it's going to make them better. Um, like Ken Manny always said, "Iron sharpens iron," uh, but it, it also might reveal some some weaknesses that you didn't see on Saturday.
1: I want to talk about the running back slightly there. One of the things that this year is like, I think this is really the offensive's turn. Like, maybe the the, the two transfers at linebacker, maybe they'll be okay at corner. I I thought last year they were really going to be exposed defensively. They wound up being better than I thought. Obviously, Ohio State kicked the tar out of them. But, you know, but other than that, they wound up being, uh, and, and part of yeah, that I, was
0: Iowa, Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana.
1: That's true. There were several of them, but there were times where I think they were also more sound than I thought they'd be. And part of that was the development at corner. And, 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 uh, you know, I thought, you know, obviously Antoine Simmons is a heck of a player and, you know, they, they had some guys, you know, they had some decent linemen. They, they were, but I, I really think this could be the year. And, and, and granted, I, maybe I'm wrong. I think they're going to be good at safety. I think they could be okay on the interior line. And if you're good that way, maybe and the transfers come through, maybe, maybe they'll be okay. I don't think they'll be that deep. And and I think um, – so I think this could be the offense's turn finally. It's been a long time since, you know, they haven't had a defense when they've been a competitive team. Like if they want to be a bowl-eligible team with a tough schedule with only six home games, which people need to start rethinking what expectations are because to me expectations are relative to home games. With 500 for a team that plays seven home games is seven wins. Five hundred for a six home games is six wins. You got to think of it that way. So, I mean, five. And, if you were thinking six wins in a normal schedule, that's five wins probably this year. That, that's beside the point. But what I think the running back room has a chance. I mean, the, the thing they have there is they do have depth, talent, and intrigue. And what what I think Kenneth Walker gives them is some certainty. So, Elijah Collins, if he returns to two thousand nineteen form and takes steps, I mean, there's a guy who's a who's a who's a really good Big Ten back. Harold Joyner may be that as well. And so, and and obviously we saw with Jordan Simmons, we saw uh, some some flashes last year where that guy is an an intriguing prospect. And so they ought to have somebody within that group. Now, anything more than two running backs is too many to play. And I think that's the one thing that's going to be interesting to watch there. Um, But they ought to be good at that position. And they ought to have a playmaker at that position between those guys and, and if the receiver it looks like they're going to – I mean, I really like what they have. Yeah, obviously, they're a top-two receiver and then some other guys. But the, the the Naylor-Reed combo ought to be a really good receiving core. And yeah, it's, fine. it's finding that third guy fire. with them. What's that? It's finding that third guy with them. Sure, uh, or, Trey Mosley, whoever it, it may them. be. But, the, the, but it's a lot I mean, less that's pressure that's to become that third guy than to, to be one of the main two. And so it, the pressure really comes again. Can the offensive line finally take that step and be – serviceable and solid and and um if they are i think the offense has a chance to be a group that, that keeps them in some games and, and gives them a chance to upset a team somewhere along the way gives them a chance to have a postseason season experience and get to six wins um but it's gonna have to be on that offense and and i and i the running back room to me is uh has a chance to be as complete and as deep depth of talent wise as they've had since probably the caper baker uh, bell uh trio um and that's i mean they've had some good running backs but nothing like this where you go boy the third guy might be really great what what's the fourth guy look like you know th- there's i think there's some real depth of talent there I,
0: I can remember a year when they had seven guys competing for the starting uh, uh running back job i believe uh anderson was one of them uh andre anderson um there there were this was probably back in 2008 um, there, there were there were there it was it was crazy how many guys there were and like half 2009 of nine maybe
1: post Javon Ringer right two thousand nine yeah, maybe.
0: yeah. yeah. And it was it was around it was right after Ringer, um and you know there were there were a number of guys that that laid claim to it and half of them were gone that summer <laughs> that's yeah. how it works right I mean that's that's always how it's worked it's just you've got a different name for it now with the portal but. Um, but you're right about that. I mean, you know, you saw that with the caper bell and Baker situation that there weren't enough carries for Edwin Baker. So he declared a year early. I mean, it's, you know, that, that made, you know, that made sense in the moment and, um, you know, that, that you need that depth, especially now. And I think that Mel Tucker and his staff have sold guys on that by saying, if you want to get to that next level, this is how it's being done. You're, you're going to minimize your wear and tear by sharing the carries and sharing the load and showing off in, in the, the attempts that you do get, um, to, to make yourself attractive. And would they like a bell cow? It sure seems like it. Uh, do they have a bell cow? I'm not necessarily sure they do. I don't think there's a, you know, they th- that could work. They could work their way into it late in the season, you know, but, um, you know, a lot of it's dependent on the offensive line, but some, but a lot of it's dependent on the running backs, too. I mean, you know, how many short-yarded situations did we see last year and in 2019 that, that Michigan State couldn't convert? Um, you know, and, and I know fans really got frustrated with coaches for, for calling calling plays like that, but I think that the, both D'Antonio and Tucker said it. This is what you got to do. You have to be able to get a yard. You have to be able to get two yards. You can't get stuffed on at, on third and goal at the one twice, right? You can't. You can You got to be able to pick up a yard. And I, I think I'm seeing more guys that that have that capability now. And it'll be interesting to see if Joiner can be one of those kind of guys uh, when he arrives, uh, because that that's what springs you, you know, those, those one, two yard pops soften the defense. And, and now all of a sudden you're, you're getting that, the, the bigger holes and you're, you're getting some confidence moving downhill. So I, you know, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch, but it's it, this, I mean, really Saturday was just a snapshot to me. That's, that's what it was. It's where, where this program is at in between what it was in 2020 and what Mel Tucker wants it to be by by September fourth, um, and that's that's in so many different ways. Usually, you see that it's just based on well, we're we're fighting for for playing time, but this is this is different. This is we're trying to find guys.
2: Yeah, really, all Kenneth Walker needs to do is just score one rushing touchdown this year, and he's a hero. Especially when you consider what's happened the past two years with the running back situation. But uh,
0: I really need to look that up because I I have the the somewhere I have the the actual total of time since the last time a running back scored. And I think it was Elijah Collins, uh, in the second quarter of a game, but I can't remember which in 2019. I mean, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous number for a power five school. That's based on the run. That, I mean, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't like, like the run and shoot that, that, that Mark Antonio and Mel Tucker have been running here and, and they haven't been able to punch it into the end zone on the ground.
2: No, it's, it is crazy and insane. Uh, something new, touched upon but i wanted to come back to is the defensive backfield situation i think they only have three scholarship players in the spring game that played in the deep in the in the backfield and i think they, i think chris i think you wrote this they got seven coming in in the fall is that am i getting those numbers correct
0: yeah something around there big big grain salt of what you saw because i mean they've got recruits coming in from the high school ranks they've got three transfers coming in uh from power five level they've got uh Division two transfer they got a division three tra- I mean it, when I say they're trying to find guys It's not like Mel Tucker isn't looking for them. If you're, if you're getting guys from, from Wheaton College and North Greenville uh, To come play for Michigan State You are I mean he talks about An NFL style scouting approach That's what NFL teams do they scout those Schools they scout, they scout Every NAIA school That's out there just in case there's that One guy that falls through the cracks For one reason or another
1: Thing about defensive back too that's good for them, especially corner is you. You can play there young if you're good. Like they, they found guys who it's been like you know. I mean, obviously the most recent freshman that really I don't know where is Josiah Scott, right? And and all of a sudden it's like well wow, that guy is just ready and and so that you you might find a guy. So obviously transfers are important, but it's also a position where you know there's ultimately if you if you've got a, a swagger to you and you've got a you. Know, a quick burst, and you, you can line. I mean, there are guys who can do that position young, and so you hope that uh, <laughs> a couple of them, really, that are well, coming do, in are ready to be those guys.
0: Yeah, you need a couple of them because when you're playing a four-two-five and you're using five D backs, or if yeah. you're gonna like Tucker's promise, use more more dime packages, there's a lot more opportunities and snaps for defensive backs to get on the field. I mean, so so a guy like like Chester Kimbrough who's coming in from Florida or Kari Crump from Arizona, or Marquis Lowry from Louisville, I mean, they're going to get a chance to show immediately as transfers. And, and the two guys, the two high school teammates from Florida, um, you know, Chuck Brantley and Stephon Johnson, they'll get a chance to show right away. And, and a guy like A.J. Kirk, who's coming in at safety, he'll get a chance to show right away. Um, and, and even a guy, I mean, Angelo Gross last year made a big impact right, right away and, and became – it, it, with with injuries on the corner, and they move Shakur Brown out of that nickel spot, which I think is what Tucker wants to be, the playmaking position, because what was interesting is you kind of thought, well, Gross seems like he's being groomed to be a cornerback. No, he's at the nickel, and he pretty much exclusively played at the nickel. Um, I, I think they like his playmaking ability there, and they want to build around that, because um, Tucker has talked about, remember what he said, he, he takes an NFL approach where you build, from the back forward, rather than how Mark Antonio built from the the defensive line outward. So a guy like Angelo Gross, seeing him back there, um, you know, at safety. Excuse me, I didn't say I, I, I meant to say Michael Dowell was playing the nickel. The, the that they moved him to safety, which again, um, you know, putting Gross at the safety spot to me is uh, is big because that's the back end, that's the back part of your defense, and you want that coverage down the field to be airtight and, and with him and Henderson there that, that allows whoever's in front of them playing that nickel to Rove. Um, and if free safety, you kind of, I mean, it's basically in a lot of ways like that, that spot, that nickel spot, except you're going backwards instead of forward, like a linebacker. So I, I'm, I'm really fascinated with what they're doing in the middle of the defense and building outward from it. Cause it'll be, cause I mean, listen, you, you saw some of those receivers that Michigan state had, Burn the defensive backs who were playing and badly. Um, the guys that they're bringing in have to show the speed downfield and coverage, um, because that's what's needed. That's that that speed and coverage is significantly what needs upgraded. Okay,
2: well, let's talk about the NFL draft. Uh, the first round is on
1: Trevor Lawrence going one. I got Trevor Lawrence first. <laughs> <You're> putting <laughs> uh, some money on. It? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw somebody somewhere <laughs> Took a bet where you they bet like a million to win ten thousand, and on Trevor Lawrence to go one, which seems like a sure thing. But man, you got to have some serious cash to to risk that, you know, especially
2: man. just to win ten thousand dollars. That's a uh...
1: yeah. If, that's the thing. If you've got a million to risk. Mean, these you know, ten grand?
2: I mean, that's yeah. I mean, ten grand is a life-changing number for me, but
0: uh, that, that not for someone real- who has
2: a million dollars.
0: That's me or you taking a twenty or a fifty out at the blackjack table and say, "Let's go, Run <laughs> it, let it ride."
2: <laughs> exactly. So, and then I'll I'll take a crazy guess here and say Zach Wilson of BYU goes second. So, but then starting at number three, that's where the real intrigue in the NFL draft comes in. We'll see if the Niners take Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or. Who knows? Naquan Jones.
1: Naquan Jones is going three.
2: Naquan Jones, three. Shakur Brown, four. That's how that's going, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll take a look at this from a Michigan State perspective. Michigan State has seen a player selected in the last 80 NFL drafts, and it seems pretty certain that it's going to be 81 with Shakur Brown almost certainly being drafted at some point, and then... Naquan Jones is on some is on some seventh round mocks. Is not on some 7 round mocks, but it's a pretty decent chance he's going to get drafted as well. And Antoine Simmons kind of at this point looks to be a priority free agent signing, unless someone unless he right, rockets up someone's board, and he he goes in the seventh round. But let's uh, let's look at Shakur Brown a little bit. I think Chris he's kind of being projected as a third, fourth, fifth round type guy. I think I've seen most of them in the third and fourth round. So you know he's another guy who. Mark uh, D'Antonio recruited a more on a heralded defensive back recruit and and shined in his time at Michigan State and he's going to be an NFL draft pick, uh, early entrant NFL draft pick as well.
0: Yeah, and last year really helped him, I think, because he showed a diversity in coverage. Um, You know, like I said, he started the year at nickelback and then when Chris Jackson got hurt, he slid back to the outside, um, which allowed Gross to go in there. Which I again, like I said, I think is going to be fascinating watching Gross transition back and what they do with that nickel spot. You know, if Michael Dowell's the guy, or if they're going to try and put someone else there, because one thing Shakur Brown showed is the ability to make plays in the middle of the field when he was there, um, you know, and pick passes off and then he moved to the outside and showed downfield coverage. He's, he's going to have a role. Um, you know, I I don't know whether he'll be kind of that, that nickel or dime guy, or, or if he could be an every down cornerback, um, but but he's got the size and speed and, and more importantly the ball skills. He's got great ball skills. I he you know of all the guys that that have played there um, during Mark D'Antonio's tenure that you think of the the, the Justin Lanes and the D- Darquez Denard and Trey Wayne's and you know Monte Nichols and all these guys who did get drafted in the secondary. I thought I, Shakur Brown was up there among the best ball skills. On a on a defensive back that that I can remember, Graham. I don't know about uh, your thought.
1: He was just a natural at it. That more than I, I mean, I didn't see it coming. And I mean, he just, re- yeah, you're right. He really had a playmaking eye for the ball. And and I mean, some guys have that, you know, and 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 some don't. And and it becomes, it's it, one of the things I enjoy about watching guys like that. Is it's one of the things in football that I recognize very quickly. <laughs> and not everything I do, like. You put me watching a, a you know a defensive lineman's handwork and I'm not as is as, as great at, at, at analyzing it but uh, I man I, I was I, I think I think it would have been great for Michigan State if they got another year out of them too but I think first of all it, it's big because it gets Michigan State keeps the draft streak alive for sure um, and and guys who are natural playmakers and natural guys who have a an instinct for the ball and a closing speed like that you know, those guys tend to stick in the NFL a little bit because there there's something when you have ball skills as a defensive back that's something that's a little more innate that he seems to have, and, and you're a, a physical guy like that. I, I think I think he'll have a career in the NFL. I don't know to what degree, but I think I think he'll play.
2: Yeah, I'm not, looking looking at Naquan Jones here, he's kind of an interesting prospect, and in he's a guy who dropped a lot of weight in preparation for the draft. I think he played at three thirty three forty at Michigan State, and he dropped down to three eleven right around compound time. So he got some advice one way or another. He needed to drop weight and kind of improve in speed. And based on some scout reports I've seen, I think that he has done enough to, you know, potentially warrant a being a sixth or seventh round draft pick.
0: Yeah, he's got the power up front and the shock off the snap. And he, he's got good, as they say, get off, um, which I think is, you know, he's, he, he's also got a work ethic, I think, about him that, you know, he, he just seems like a lunch pail dude who really, you can, you know, like the guys who were there before him with Panashuk and, and Raekwon Williams, um, you know, I think he was kind of molded along those lines. Uh, he's got a tremendous personality. Um, I think he's a, uh, a, a he's one of my favorite interviews and I wish we would have gotten more of the course of his, his tenure. Um, cause I think he's just got a fascinating story and he, he's just a, a. a down-to-earth kid who who has a lot of talent i think up front and you know if you're a defensive lineman the nfl absolutely love defensive linemen who can not just play and react but but understand and know the game
1: yeah i agree with chris i mean i you know and i think part of the reason we didn't talk to him a ton early on is he, he wasn't actually a technically a starter a lot of his career yeah and then obviously he, the covid year and um... yeah i
2: think this year was his first year as a full time starter.
1: It was. He, he, was would, he was buried behind Panashouk and,
0: well, I shouldn't say buried. He was behind Panashouk and Raquan Williams and, you know, they've had some of the best pairs and spares at the defensive tackle spot the last few years, um, you know. And, and I think that, you know, that, that kind of he, he I thought he showcased himself fairly well this year. Um, yeah, because
1: in- I thought he was more consistent this year. Like, he, he is a, that was always kind of the knock on him, right? As it was like, talent-wise, he was right there with Raekwon and uh, but you know, and, and he's a different player than Raekwon. I think I think he's actually he's an NFL player has, uh, maybe a little more lasting power just talent wise. Um, but um, another guy that yeah, I mean those guys, you get a sixth seventh round pick like that, those guys sometimes wind up playing at, you know seven eight years in the NFL and and some I mean I, I think he'll have a, another guy who will have a, a chance to chance to stick. I mean those defensive linemen what's the old, you know, don't grow on trees or whatever. I mean, those guys are, he's, he, he looks the part, so to speak. He's prototypical in a lot of ways. And and I I think think
0: the the other thing that really helped him this year was being an every down guy, um, not, and being on the field more, um, which, you know, that was kind of the big question is, you know, with Panashuk and, uh, Raekwon getting all those snaps, you know, were they just short burst guys, him and, and Deshaun Mallory. And I think, and, then, you know, as, as good as I think Hunt's going to be, I think Deshaun Mallory is going to be right there with him this fall as well, um, with Jacob Slade. But, um, you know, and those guys now get their chance to shine now that Nake one's out of their way.
2: Yeah. and, And the last guy we'll talk about here is Antoine Simmons. Uh, I know he didn't have a great 40 time, at the at the pro day, I think that was a, came in at a four eight, and for the position that he plays, or maybe projected to play in NFL, probably not the number you want to see. But I think you, I think people are there are enough scouts or GMs, or whatever, going to look at the game tape and say maybe look he's at worth a tape. flyer, worth of the flyer as an undrafted free agent or priority signing.
0: I love the fact that we're we're breaking it down. He's a value pick. Um, <laughs> he's got tremendous upside. Uh, love his shock. Uh, um, No, but in all honesty, though, I I think he did show the last couple of years that, you know, sideline to sideline, he might not have a good 40 time, but he's quick in space and he's able to track down guys. Now, I do think that one of the things that teams will look at um, will be the injury history. Um, And I think that will probably that's probably what ends up pushing him to to being a priority free agent guy um, just because of that fact. Um, you know, he had the neck injury back in the holiday bowl all the way back in what 2018 seems like four lifetimes ago. No, it was 2017. And, uh, you know, that he he was banged up a lot this year. Um, you know, you think about that Iowa game. Um, he was, he was basically dragging himself out there and sometimes dragging himself off the field, which wasn't his MO for four years. I mean, that was an every down dude. Um, who couldn't go that day. So th- I think teams will look into that as well. But I, I think he's got the capability to be a guy who you can see um, like an Andrew Dahl type um, or even Joe Bocce that, that can show out in, in camp and, and show that they can contribute on special teams and, and kind of make their name there.
2: All right, before we check out of here, so, since the most intrigue in Thursday night's draft it appears to be who the Niners are going to take in the first round, I want to know who you guys think it's going to be. Is it going to be Mac Jones? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Or is it going to be Trey Lance or someone else entirely?
1: I think it's going to be Mac Jones. That's what everybody says. So I haven't talked to the 49ers coaching staff myself, (laughs) but I do understand this. They have what they think is a super bowl ready team now. And I think they view Mac Jones as the most ready NFL quarterback of the, of the group other than maybe Trevor Lawrence. And like, if you're trying to win now and this is your window, you don't have time for a two-year development. You know, if you're if you've made the decision, you're going to go with a different quarterback, and you think he's going to be real. real I mean, I, I mean, I understand it from their perspective. You don't want to be, you don't want to waste the window. You don't want to be the Chicago Bears, who are further away from an NFL championship than anybody in football right now, because they haven't even admitted it yet. Then they have to start the decline. Then they have to start the rebuild. It's like a decade. Bill, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll all be in our fifties by the time the Bears are even a contender again.
0: Same with well, the Lions. Well, I, I think it, from what I'm here, what I've heard is that it could be a power struggle in San Francisco between the coaching staff and the front office that the, the coaches want to go that route with Mac Jones to win now, and the the, the front office like Trey Lance and his potential. So, and, and they probably don't want to miss out on a guy who might be in like a Pat Mahomes type. So, um. You know who wins that battle is going to be interesting, but I, I think you're right. Chase the 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 ring now, and, and Mac Jones is the guy. I mean, I just
2: got off a Zoom meeting with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan before we recorded here, so <laughs> I was able to kind of get some inf- inside information. But yes, I think it's going to be Mac Jones as well. I think there's uh, it's crazy because I mean, I mean, we we see this every year where we have quarterbacks who are like, oh, maybe they'll be a late rounder. Like, Deshaun Watson was originally projected to be mostly like a late round, late first round draft pick, and then he shoots up to, to number 10, I think, is or number eight, or not right at four. I can't – sorry, I'm getting old and forgetting things here. But And Mac Jones appears to be this guy this year because I think people thought maybe the Patriots might get him at 18 or 20 or wherever they're drafting, and all of a sudden, you know, he's going number three to the Niners. So uh, I love the NFL draft. It's crazy.
0: Just tell me, tell me what running back the Steelers take, and I'll be happy. And if they don't take a running back, don't talk to me. That's all I got to say.
2: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at Graham underscore couch, at Chris Solari, at Phil underscore friend, and at LSJ green, white. Thanks for listening.